The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, my buddy, my guy, the incomparable the man over there in Lincoln, I think he's wearing a White Sox jacket. So I take back all the nice things that I've said about him. Greg Smith, hello, how are you? I, I am well. Man, we were starting off hot, and then the White Sox made an appearance. Here, let me put that in focus for you and no one else. Um, <laughs> that went off the rails already. See, I specifically did not wear a Cubs hat today. I appreciate so I was like, you. I'm going to put on the Kobe hat because I got my guy coming on. And then you were just like, nah, we got to get him back for all the Cubs stuff he's worn before. Actually, I wish I had thought about that. I was, I did not. It, it's been like fall light weather here in the mornings and I don't like it. So I've been cold. Hold on. Why do you not like it? What's wrong with fall weather? Oh, you totally, you missed my tweet yesterday um, where I said that I did not like, I am not a fan of fall weather in the way that it feels like the rest of you and you being all of you. Um, hold on, are... hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on. Okay, so you're, so, okay. So like, we don't decorate the house for Halloween. We don't no. have pumpkin everything. We don't no. have orange stuff. Replacing the decor around the home. You're no. not in on the fall. No, and not only am I not in on the fall. Like, okay, my wife is in on fall weather. She's not in on all the decorating. Like somehow I missed that. Like I didn't get any of that <laughs> because there were this whole chain. It was this weird, like not to go on this whole side tangent, a uh, group chat that with her and her friends where they all were going to Target. And they were sending pictures of all of this stuff from Target and Dollar Spot and all that. And <laughs> no, we missed all of that. Like I, we couldn't care less about any of that and fall weather telling you right now overrated first of all you're trash <laughs> um you're trash i mean that's just a trash opinion fall weather is the best fall and winter weather is the best and here's what i say i moved to chicago and everyone's like oh wait for the chicago winters and i'm like hold on i lived in nebraska for four years and during that time we had some of the coldest winters on record for the yeah. state there was a week <laughs> in nebraska where it did not go above zero don't talk to me about cold because I lived in Oklahoma and had soccer, football, basketball practice. We didn't practice basketball outside, but you get what I'm saying. When it was 115 degrees outside, when it was hotter than hotter than hell outside. And I, I always tell people, I'm like, you can you can put clothes on in the wintertime to make yeah. yourself warmer in the summertime when it's hot as hell outside. You can't take clothes off. That's not socially acceptable. I was supposed say, to do? You, you can. Um, <laughs> not socially acceptable. You, listen, you wear as little as possible and you keep this thing moving. You just accept that everybody is sweating, everyone's uncomfortable, no. and that's okay. No, no. See, see, in the fall, you can put a hoodie on, you can layer a little bit, you can look all classy, 
No, see, you're one of those people that says that fall is when you really can dress. No, that's oh, 100%. true. No. Oh, 100%. You can dress. Fall just is when you can show out. Clothing. No, no, no. Minimal, man, minimal clothing out. with a bead of sweat. No. And you're all good. No, see, here's the problem. I'm short. Short guys <laughs> in shorts doesn't look good. It doesn't look classy at all. If we want to look put together, we have to have long pants on. Short guys can't wear shorts and fall allows me to do that. Exactly. I don't know, man. So I, uh, but I'm with you though, on the decorating thing. I don't, I have one aesthetic in my home and we stick to that aesthetic and we don't deviate from it ever. Christmas time, Christmas time is an exception. Yeah. Christmas Christmas. trees, but like the, um, the decor, the Christmas related decor that we have is like in the same color family scheme as the rest of the, the ambiance of the home so we're not throwing we're anything actually out of pretty similar to that yeah. actually too we're, we're similar to that um yeah we're not out here changing door decks every week or every month and doing all that no that's no not how we roll at the smith house i did always say though when i was a kid that when i got older when i had a house that was mine that i owned wasn't renting from somebody else mm-hmm. i was going to go all out for halloween because my parents never went all out for halloween and i always wanted to have like haunted house kind of halloween experience like i wanted to be that house in the neighborhood that kids were like yeah i don't know about those guys those guys are weird but then also we're handing out full-size candy bars i mean you have i feel like you at least probably need to do that one time yeah maybe once i'm still at the point though where i turn the light off (laughs) (laughs) see here's the thing you go all out that one time and then you realize how much work it takes to get all that shit put together and then you're like oh no we're not doing this again we had the one time we had the experience now now we're going to turn the light off that's right do it for the gram one time and then it's about it that's all A couple of housekeeping things before we get started, because we're not going to talk about fall and decorations on this podcast. We're going to talk football <laughs> here in a second, but a couple of housekeeping things. Greg Smith has his own podcast, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave him a five-star review, or I guess leave him a five-star rating and then leave him a review. Those things help. Do the same for this podcast if you haven't already. Uh, we're a proud part of the Herd App Media Network, where you can get a bunch of other podcasts. Really, you can find a podcast for anything you're interested in on the Herd App Network, I think. Um, shouts to Cam for producing this weekend, every week, and to you guys for listening. If you're not subscribed to Hail Varsity, go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Get yourself signed up for the magazine. Get yourself signed up for premium coverage from my guy, Greg Smith, and the rest of the team. And that will make your fall better. Now, you might be in a situation where you're like, Greg, where you don't like fall. This will make fall a little bit easier, a little bit more bearable if you got a Hail Varsity subscription. So get that taken care of. Greg, let's talk a little, just football in general, college football in general. Let's not focus so much on Nebraska Fordham. We'll talk about Buffalo here in a little bit. But we got an awesome week one of college football, dude. Like, we, like I watched college football all day long Saturday. It was great. I didn't have to be in a stadium for the first time in four years. So I just watched... Like I was reading off the list to my wife and she's like, good God, man. How did you like, how did you not fall asleep or get tired or get sick of watching football? I watched games from 11 all the way through <laughs> until the end of the night. Um, two, two teams from the SEC that looked really, really impressive that I want to ask you about. So who was the more impressive non-Alabama SEC team? Georgia, who just absolutely demolished defensively Clemson. Or <laughs> Ole Miss, who I guess Lane Kiffin is overrated. You don't need him. 
or he's so good at getting his team ready from afar that he, you know, is it's just that good. Um, Are coaches I, supposed to do that? I, I, I don't know. Who knows? But I think it's just, uh, you know, Wes, um, <laughs> I, I just got that. Uh, nice job. Snuck that right past me. I'm still thinking about fall. Um, I think that Ole Miss was impressive, but the bar was a little bit lower because of who they played. My pick here is Georgia, because I think what they did to Clemson's offense is going to go down like as we start to stack up great defensive performances this season we'll have to end up being up there because I can't imagine that anyone else is going to hold Clemson without a touchdown or a game or in single digits um, that was really impressive what they were able to do and it's not as if you know Clemson is out here with slouches running around on that offense and Georgia's got dudes and they always have dudes it's just whether or not they end up putting it together for a full season right um, and I guess uh, uh, more or big picture for them too is whether or not they can actually have offense uh, which they did not have but they were facing you know an elite defense as well uh, with Clemson's defense like I, I think it's Georgia for me based on the competition that they were playing um, of the non-Alabama SEC teams yeah um, there's been a little bit of maybe overreaction to Clemson there's been a little bit of like ah they're still Clemson they're gonna be fine it seems like maybe in the middle, I feel like them dropping to six, they should have gone further because offensively, like what was this? The, the first time they hadn't scored a touchdown and it's been a long time. I don't know the year off the top of my head. Um, it's been a long time, but like everybody was like, okay, what's, what's going to happen with their offensive line? What's going to happen up front? Are they going to be able to protect DJU? The more interesting thing was like, they really missed Travis Etienne. Yes. They got, 14 yards on eight carries from running backs. <laughs> That's not good. That's Nebraska level right there. I would, that was actually the first thing I thought. Of, unfortunately, <laughs> um, yeah. But I guess the other side of it is like Georgia defensively. So like, I, I was thinking about this during the game because we watch you and I specifically, and people listening to this podcast probably are, are in the same boat because we watch so much big 10 football we're like just so used to the way the big 10 looks, the way the game looks, the way the players look, the way the the line of scrimmage, the front seven defensively looks that like, it seems like we're a little hyper aware when you get into games like that at the tippy top of, you know, the college football where it's like, Oh, <laughs> these dudes are insane. Like Georgia has dudes everywhere that are just like all over the, they're place. insane. <laughs> Um, the two, four, seven talent thing that came out before the season started that said they have 19, five stars on their 85 man scholarship roster. They are absolutely stacked. And if I'm not mistaken, they don't play Alabama in the regular season. This feels like a year where, you know, unless something terrible happens or I guess, you know, they only scored 10 points. They didn't have an offensive touchdown either. So maybe Kirby smart will Kirby smart again, but this seems like the year where you know, we could have two SEC teams in the, the college football playoff. Yeah, I pulled up their schedule quick, and it's actually – it's pretty dang favorable. Yeah, they don't catch Alabama. They do have Florida, but they have Florida at home, so that'll be good. Um, Auburn on the road. Like, their toughest road game is probably at Auburn. Um, do they play a this season? 
They do not play A&M. Man. They don't catch A&M or Alabama. What a great draw to then also beat Clemson in that first week. Like, they're in a real nice position <laughs> going forward because they're next. They're, they start off SEC play with South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and then Arkansas. Before they hey, play South Auburn. Carolina can be tough. Zeb Nolan. I mean, that's a great story. That's a tremendous story. But uh, <laughs> it's looking – they got Charleston Southern in there for their uh, <laughs> end of season cupcake game. But, yeah, they've got they, – the thing about Georgia, though, can they score enough points? Now, it may not matter with this schedule <laughs> because they'll be able to work the kinks out. Um, but that ultimately will be what it comes down to when, you know, they get to like an SEC championship game where if they're – you know, we end up getting them and Bama – in the uh, if you could get two into the college football playoff, but it, it it's just you were saying about their their kind of talent compiling. I was just looking at their defense and just looking through the box score, and I'm like, oh, I remember that guy was a five star. Like Keely Ringo, he was a five star. Nolan Smith, he was a five star. Nicobe Dean, he was also a five. Like I'm just reading down the list, and just because of my you know everyday job, I recognize all of these names of guys that were just the who's who of defensive recruits coming out of high school, and they have just a ton of guys. Yeah, they're insane. I think it would be a disappointment and it would be probably a um, a catastrophe if they don't at least be in the top six yeah. for a, for playoff um, seating, I guess, at, at the end of the season. If they're not like right there knocking on the door, it'll be a catastrophe of a season. Um, but like, you know, I was talking I was talking to my brother and then I put out um, college football playoff predictions before the North Carolina game and North Carolina was one of them. And then five hours later, North Carolina lost. So maybe don't listen to me very much, but I had Georgia in there, too. Um, and it seems like with them, it's like, OK, you got Todd Munkin and JT Daniels. So you should have a, a, a at least an average spread style offense. Um, don't mess it up, Kirby. Um, let's move to. Big 10, Pac-12 this weekend. There are two interesting games, two headliners really of the slate this weekend. Ducks, Buckeyes, Oregon, Ohio State. That's Fox's big noon game. And then the ABC game in primetime, Michigan, Washington. Which one is a more interesting matchup to you? Uh, to me, it's Ohio State versus Oregon. And it's because to me, I, I feel like the stakes are higher in this one. I really think that both teams have something to prove in this game to, to like the national stage. Like I still feel like Oregon is a program that has been very good under Mario Cristobal that doesn't quite get mentioned with the other programs that it probably deserves to at this point, given the, the performances that they've had in the Pac-12 over the last couple of years. And then even though Ohio State is obviously mentioned among the college football elite, and deservedly so. Like, I think this group is hungry to prove that they belong in that group, including having a new quarterback um, in CJ Stroud, which you're, you're going to have to, you know, continue to see how he continues to progress over the season. Um, but I, I, I really find that matchup to be intriguing. I hope just as a fan of watching college football, that the ducks are healthy enough in that game and that, that, that doesn't become a, a big factor as to, you know, what ends up happening in that one, especially considering Kayvon, Thibodeau, who might be the best defensive player in college football. Um, it, it, it was did he missed the first game of the season or is expected to maybe be limited in this one? Like I hope he's okay and can go. Uh, but I'm really intrigued by that Oregon Ohio State game. I disagree with you because I think the Washington Michigan game is 
the more intriguing for the exact reason you said you think Ohio State, Oregon is more intriguing. Because I think the stakes on that game, Washington lost to an FCS team to open the season. Like they were, they were a trendy team to be like, well, this team might win the Pac-12. I really like Jimmy Lake. And then Michigan, everybody's trying to fire Jim Harbaugh all the time. They start out one and zero. They look good with a win over Western Michigan. Kate McNamara doesn't have to do too much. Nine for 11, two touchdowns for him. Um, they lose Ronnie Bell, which sucks for people that just like watching good football. Um, but like that one seems like, you know, if Michigan can start two and oh against the Washington team that people will still probably feel like is a decent team when we get towards the end of the year. Um, Michigan's got a bear of a schedule down the stretch. They've got at Michigan State, at Penn State, Ohio State, at Wisconsin, at Nebraska. Um, a lot of tough games on the road. If they can pile some wins up here and look good in the process early on. Maybe some of the Jim Harbaugh crap can calm down. Um, we'll see. That game will be interesting. I think both of them will. I really like Yeah, they, Both of them I'm looking forward to, but I'm yeah, surprised you disagreed. I like that they're not at the same time so that I can, yeah. <laughs> so that I can, I can space it out. It felt like there were so many great games on at one time last Saturday that I was just constantly channel surfing. I felt like they were going, but it was all day long. Like you mentioned, yeah. like it just really, and especially I think what, what helped, you know, especially with people in this neck of the woods about, you know, the yours now too, the big 10 um, footprint about all, the big 10 games that played last week and kind of having one in each window um, was really nice as well. So like it, it was a really good opening weekend. What is uh, your hottest week one overreaction? This can be any team anywhere. It doesn't have to be Big Ten. doesn't have to be Nebraska-specific. What is your hottest week one overreaction, the best take that you got? Okay, my best take that I have right now is that Ohio State does not win the Big Ten. Ooh. I don't, okay, and I started – when we were talking about the Oregon um, matchup this weekend, I, I threw in there – it's going to be a throwaway – that we have to see how the quarterback continues to progress. And I understand that they've got two top 15 picks um, at wide receiver, so that makes it a lot easier. And it, it was just one game on the road in a hostile environment, but I wasn't sold on C.J. Stroud. Like, that was not a game where I felt like I came away thinking – okay, they're just unbeatable because, you know, they've got all of this talent and the quarterback is great. Um, and maybe he improves, but I think that there is going to be at least one hiccup along the way for Ohio State this year, and they're not going to end up winning the Big Ten. That is my week one hot take based off of them even beating Minnesota by double digits. Um, I, was, I came way more impressed with Minnesota. Minnesota looked so fun. They and did. then Mo got hurt. <laughs> yeah. And now Mo's gone for the year. I'm so we lost That's we lost sad. Muhammad Ibrahim and we lost Ronnie Ronnie Bell in the first week of the season. It sucks. That's um tough. my hottest take, and then we, we will move on. I'm just gonna say it. Even though I think LSU sucks. Well, not sucks that strong. I don't think LSU is as good <laughs> as people think they are. UCLA is gonna be a top 15 team. That'd be interesting for a lot of reasons, but it but to see the super slow burn that they've had mm-hmm. out there and for it to actually take off would be weird in a way because it just doesn't typically happen that way <laughs> in college football. You usually see some more signs of life early on, uh, but that would be really fun. They were uh, – it looked like fun Chip Kelly again. Yeah, that run game is good. But again, again, don't listen to me because I thought North Carolina was going to make the playoff and then they lost to freaking Virginia Tech. Yeah, you were, um, out you were on the Sam Howell hype train. Dude. So hard, so hard. And then no one else on his team was. 
His <laughs> like a, it's offensive line bet against him. It was insane. That was rough. Um, factor. Let's do a little game of factor fiction. One of them is yeah. going to be Iowa specific. So Hawkeye haters, skip ahead a few minutes. One of them is Nebraska specific. Factor fiction, and this plays in with your uh, take just a couple minutes ago. Iowa is the second best team in the Big Ten. I'm going to go fiction on that and say that it is Penn State. Um, I really like Penn State's defense, but I feel like Penn State is the same as what I just said about Georgia and that I I, I could bet on that defense all day long. I don't know about the offense um, and in Penn State's case, specifically the quarterback. Um, So we'll kind of see on that, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick right now subject to change with Penn State and not Iowa as the second best team in the big 10. Okay. Who's the, you don't have Ohio state winning the (laughs) conference. You don't have Iowa second or first. There's no way Wisconsin is going to win the conference. Not, I don't know. Well, let, let me, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. <laughs> There's no way you would say right now, after what we just saw that Wisconsin is going to win the conference. Not no way they can win. They're talented. Who, who do you have winning the conference then? I'm still okay. I think Nebraska. Yeah, sure. Nebraska. Uh, yeah, Nebraska. There it is. Uh, Frost said special season incoming. He did say special season. They have a chance to have a special season. That would make it very special um, if they make a run after losing to Illinois. <laughs> I think, and this is another hot take, this will go with that, that this could be Michigan's year. What? I think it could be. I think it could be. Weird things happen, man. Weird things happen. People say crazy stuff after week one. I'm just going gonna, gonna to go with it gonna go with it could be they've got to beat ohio state at some point right i my brain is melted <laughs> you were in shock i don't know how to respond to that it has to be they've got sometime i'm on the jim harbaugh bandwagon still I think people are unfairly trying to run him out of town i think they i think honestly though i think to part of this too is i think that People's perception of what he's done at Michigan and what's actually happened at Michigan, I think, are two totally different things. Um, yeah, it's remarkable seeing him lumped in with Scott Frost. Yeah, absolutely like, remarkable. Really, like if you like, he's won like, over double. Like the, because there was there was the tweet um, after Nebraska lost to Illinois that Scott Frost would have to win thirty seven of his next thirty eight games to match Jim Harbaugh's record. Yeah, like like the fact that they're lumped in together as underachieving head coaches, and maybe you know yourself having been around this nebraska program for so long you're just um a, a little more acutely sensitive to firing a nine-win coach <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe that's it yeah um god if they won wow do they which have me which they means okay. i'm picking them to win this week <laughs> okay they have okay they have to have they have to have one or the other in your opinion, for them to, to even be in that conversation, the best quarterback in the big 10 or the best defense in the big 10, do they have either? That's a good question. Probably not. So you're just rooting for chaos here. I kind of, I, I, I am a little bit because, and it's also a little bit of a, at this point, I really don't know if like if handicapping who's going to be where at the end of the season, the big 10 is going to be really hard, especially at this point, because I feel like after seeing the Iowa Wisconsin result and still feeling like Iowa can lose at any moment to any number of teams, just because it's Iowa that 
you just never know what's going to happen. You never know. Like, would you be stunned if in the West, Minnesota makes a run and wins the West? Without yeah, Mo? without yeah, without Mo. That yes, I would be stunned. Yes, stunned? I would be stunned. Yeah. I don't know. I the defense that... looks bad. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm tr- I'm okay. Somebody got mad at me for saying okay. That they look the, bad. They don't look bad. The defense looks gettable. Looks like you can get that defense. <laughs> okay. They look gettable. I like that. That's a good way. I'm gonna start using that. Just trying to change my lingo because people don't like the way I talk, apparently. Um yeah, I would be stunned. It, now, if they had Mo, no. Okay. Brandon Vogel, our editor, was really high on Minnesota coming into the season. He was kind of winning me over to his side. But without Mo, the defense just looked gettable. Okay. Ohio State's defense looks gettable, too. Yeah, they really to do. To be fair. That, the bat, uh, and that's going to that's gonna need to become a conversation here shortly because there's no reason for their defense to be at that level given the talent and the way that they were ton of talent on that defense but the thing is is what the one problem is is you know uh, you essentially go from the Bosa brothers to Chase Young to now Zach Harrison and even if Zach Harrison is good or really good he's it's hard to be those guys right where you're just like a complete disruptive force and even if like those guys in the secondary are good they're so used to having all of those first round guys that didn't really have off weeks that now you come to these guys that are transitioning in and they may eventually be talented but i, I think gettable is the, the perfect way to describe that ohio state defense right now yeah for a couple and years you'd rather catch them now than yeah. later in the year <laughs> yeah 100 because for a couple of years they didn't have to cover very long they didn't have to sit in coverage right. for very long because they had just an absolute animal destroying a, a two-on-one and getting to the quarterback um my, my question to you factor fiction i was a big 10 second best team you said fiction i say fact because okay. i still think ohio state in terms of talent is the best team in the conference i don't know if they i don't know we'll see um but i think this is this is the year that iowa wins the west they looked really good also indiana looked looked poopy Hey, now. Offense, specifically offensively. I know that hey. I know Tom Allen is your guy, but they looked poopy offensively, man. <laughs> they, uh, uh, that week did not do anything to help Brandon Vogel's theory that they're going to regress to the mean this year. Like I, I'm like seeing that unfold and I'm like, Oh no, here comes Brandon. And then I get the message on Slack. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's rough, man. They did not look good at all. Brandon is the king of, he, he knows exactly when to pick his spots. He doesn't talk a ton, but he knows like, okay, now I can say something because I feel comfortable. Yes. Um, okay, fact or fiction, Nebraska-Buffalo will be close. Do you want the fact. numbers first? Oh, no, I don't know. You just say fact. No, I'm saying fact. I, I, and I know that, the, that part of the numbers are that Nebraska, and the thing that I'm actually surprised about is that the line opened at 11. It continues to go up. I think I saw it somewhere in the 14 range, 13 and a half, 14. Um, As of recording this podcast right now, Thursday afternoon, Vegas has it at 14, minus 14 for Nebraska. Okay. I find that to be, suspect <laughs> I, I guess i would say because how many times has nebraska covered a number that big under scott frost like it can't be very many times i, I would also, say you could fit it on one hand yeah and so i but you also about the same amount of times has nebraska been a double digit favorite and then just outright lost so i I'm yeah, not, this is the thing i i had a i had um a, a family member bet on nebraska to cover against illinois and they also bet on 
um, the over-under. And I said, look, here's the deal. For the rest of this season, don't touch Nebraska games with a 10-foot pole. Mm -hmm. Just don't do it. Just don't bet on them. Particularly if they are a double-digit favorite, don't touch it. Don't touch it. I wouldn't do it at all. Um, I just don't feel comfortable saying that they would cover that. Like I, it, it, it's going. I think it's going to be a close game, and I think that we'll have another game getting into the like the the fourth quarter has started, and it's uncomfortably close. Yeah, like, I think that that's where we're going. Um, Bill Conley's S and P Plus. This was on the eighth that he tweeted this out. So Wednesday, his system has the the margin at eight and a half the projected margin at eight and a half, um, which would be a Buffalo cover. He has it Nebraska 31, Buffalo 23. So Buffalo is covering and you're hitting the under. I kind of think that's going to be similar. Brandon tweeted this out um, Thursday. Buffalo is 23 and 12 against the spread since 2018, which appears to be the best against the spread record in the FBS since 2018. Yeah, I believe so from what I saw from what he tweeted. Yeah. 23 and 12. Um, this was a good team a year ago, Buffalo was, and, and they lost their head coach late in the year, really, really late in the cycle. And then a bunch of talent left mm-hmm. with the coaching staff to go to Kansas. Um, but rushing the ball, they looked decent mm-hmm. in their opener. Why do you think this game is going to be close? Does it, it, do you think it's going to be close because of something that Buffalo is going to do or because we just you just don't know if you can trust Nebraska yet? I don't know if I can trust Nebraska yet. I think that the thing that Buffalo does well, and you highlighted it with running, and I feel like running the football is their identity, and that's what they're going to hang their hat on, and they're going to try it. I don't know if that's the best recipe for feeding this Nebraska team like this, like the way that they're currently built, because I do think the Nebraska strength is stopping the run. So that's why I, I, I feel better about the game. Um, but ultimately I just don't trust Nebraska. I don't trust that if Nebraska's in a tight game where the opponent can actually kind of hang with them, that they won't eventually kind of go sideways and do goofy stuff. Like, I just feel like that's always lurking around the corner. Like, and it's really unfortunate, but it's it just, it, it just is what it is at this point. So Buffalo and its opener, they played Wagner. They played a poopy Wagner team. Yep. Controlled, controlled the ball. Time of possession difference was, was 10 minutes in favor of Buffalo. Limited the penalties. They limited the uh, potential errors at quarterback. They threw 22 passes in the game. They ran it 56 times at 5.6 yards a pop. Um, Wagner had 97 yards of total offense, which is remarkable in 2021 for a team to have less than hundred yards of total offense. I think that says more about Wagner than it does about Buffalo, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Nebraska's offense is gettable. <laughs> if you show up on an even front and they're expecting odd. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, they didn't, I, I don't think in the first half against Fordham, they did anything that made anybody think, Okay, yeah, it looked bad against Illinois, but that was just the first game. They've ironed some kinks out. Once Fordham got tired because they were clearly um, a less talented team, a less physical team, Nebraska was a deeper team. Once Fordham got tired, Nebraska started to click, have its way offensively. Defensively, Nebraska looks about as I expected them to look so far through the first two games, but offensively, 
I just don't know if they did anything against Fordham to sort of um, calm anything down. Would you agree with that? Yes, I, w- I would agree with that. And I think that even the, it's one of those things where like, yeah, they put up 50 points, um, 52 to be exact, and they scored on basically every drive, I think, except for one after the third drive. And that went well into like Logan Smothers coming into the game. But do you come away from that game thinking, man, they just look great on offense? Or do you come away from the game thinking that they just kind of wore Fordham down? Because one of the things that Mike Babcock noted before the game to me, because I now sit next to him in the press box, it was great, the wealth of information. Uh, so I'll be dropping knowledge from Mike all season long. Uh, but this time I'll credit him, was that he noticed that he noticed that Fordham just had such like fewer players than Nebraska. Like we're looking at the sideline. He's like, where's the rest of their team like right at kickoff he goes eventually Nebraska is just going to wear them down which I mean you can only do what you're supposed to do in the game and you know that's one way to go about it but it's not as if Nebraska came out there just like blowing holes wide open with the offensive line um and then there goes Savion Morris streaking down the field you know on a running play like that's not how it felt like they were getting their points they were still kind of methodical drives um some of most of them and so you just don't come away from that feeling like, man, that offense just looked amazing in that game. Yes. Yeah, so, you are right about the defense. I, I think the defense did what, what they're supposed to do. Yeah. I, I, so I think, I think there are two running backs that should get the bulk of the carries going forward. I think it, I think it should be Marquis Stepp and Savion Morrison. Um, I have liked pieces of what I have seen from, from both of those guys. I also think maybe Jacques, Jacques Yant should kind of, rise up the depth chart a little bit. It seems like he's, he's kind of buried on the depth chart. If um, personnel usage against Fordham is any indication, but the, the line of scrimmage, particularly Nebraska's offensive line against Buffalo's front seven is, is going to be the game. Buffalo held Wagner to 18 rushing yards on 35 attempts. Now, again, Wagner poopy team, physical advantage in favor of Buffalo. But still, that's like you were locked in for every single play. They were not yeah. beating you. And it wasn't like they only ran the ball, you know, 15 times. And they're like, all right, we're just going to throw it every single play because we're trailing. No, they ran it 35 times. They got 18 yards. Um, Nebraska's offensive line has to dominate the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, there's, there's going to be a, a concern. And the, prop, the problem is, is we just haven't seen that. And maybe that they're capable of that. You know, I know uh, the, the fire. They should state, be capable of that. They should be, you know, and, and Matt Sickerman talked about this week about off, like offensive starting offensive guard, first year starting offensive guard, about how he, you know, went to the team after the game and went to the offensive line after the game and said, hey, we've got to do a better job of starting better. Um, and that they've been trying to work and practice this week um, to get more like realistic reps to start practice. So we simulate starting off in the game and all of that. Um, and so maybe, maybe it can happen. It, it would just be something that we haven't really seen um, outside of maybe what that Rutgers game 
last year and that Maryland game a couple of years ago. Um, we just haven't seen that a lot from this offensive line where they come out and dominate um, and, and push the opponent around, even though even when they have these size advantages, um, like they if they have again this weekend, um, it'll just be if Buffalo is fundamentally sound and if they're good with their technique um, and playing well as they did against um, Wagner. I don't expect that, but they're they will provide a test to Nebraska's offensive line that will be really interesting this weekend. Yeah, and and you know inconsistency up front probably should have been expected given Matt Sichterman is a first-time starter. Bryce Benhart is still young. Ethan Piper is still, I guess, young, hasn't looked great. And, and you know, the two tackles that they're rotating at left tackle are, are first-time starters as well and young players in their own right. So, like, you know, if, if you just zoomed out and just looked at the personnel that they were putting on the field, you'd say, yeah, they're, they're going to be inconsistent. They're not going to be, you know, completely sound every single time out but that sort of contradicts what what the coaching staff said and what the reports of the offensive line were throughout the offseason um so yeah I, I think the offensive line will be probably the deciding factor um but I, here's the flip side if nebraska beating fordham and putting up 50 points. I, want, I said on this podcast last week, I wanted to see them hit 50. They hit 50. Okay. If doing that, putting together, like you said, they scored, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their last eight possessions ended with points. Um, six of, of seven ended in the end zone. If that gives them confidence, even if it's a false sense of confidence, isn't isn't confidence still confidence so it should be good for them because isn't that what they needed going forward that's the flip side to this yes i know and i agree with you from the team point of view i think that they needed that game in a bad way and they do need to come away from that feeling confident and i think that austin allen mentioned that after the game is that that was the big takeaway is that there are a lot of guys that needed to just have something like that happen um and a lot of young players that needed to see a game where they could actually get in and all of that like and i do i do think there's something to that because now no matter the opponent you've seen it happen so you're able to say okay we can recreate that yeah there's things to clean up whatever but we can do that again um if we do this this and this so yeah i do think that it's a positive on the flip side to have that kind of built-in confidence for the before the actual team i just need to see it again um, against another opponent sure and and let me just say this because if if you're listening to us maybe you think like whoa you know, we think, why should Nebraska be favored in this game? They're not as good a team as Buffalo. I, that's not what I'm saying. Nebraska should be favored. Nebraska is a better team. They're, they're probably the deeper team. They're probably the bigger, more physical, more athletic team, just based off of the way Nebraska has recruited. They've consistently recruited top 25 classes under Scott Frost. Um, they should be favored. I don't know if 14 points is where the number should be at, but they should be favored, and they should win this game. They should should win this game they should have won illinois that's kind of where we're at with this group um so yeah so be so be really interesting i'm uh looking forward to your guys's coverage this weekend of it yeah i appreciate that i'm looking forward to doing it um it'll be i, I it's intriguing it is an intriguing game and a more intriguing game than i think people are comfortable with <laughs> but hey it's football 
and uh, Brandon, our, our fearless leader, who we've referenced several times on this podcast, um, made a really good point today in our in our Slack channel. Frost looks a guy who seems pretty aware of the stakes of this upcoming game, this upcoming next few weeks for Nebraska, because it's not going to get any easier after this. They got Oklahoma. Oklahoma looked rough, looked real rough. Um, so did Spencer Rattler, and particularly the defense in their opener, but it's still an Oklahoma offense on the road. And then Michigan State looked real good, and Kenneth Walker looked real good. And they got to go to East Lansing to play that game. So it'll be um, a pretty important next few weeks for Nebraska. So got to get back above 500 this weekend. Greg, you got to get out of here. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you for having me. Always a good time to hang out with you, even though you were wrong about fall. Why you have to end it like that? Okay. All right. I was going to say subscribe to Greg's podcast. No, no, don't, don't, don't. No. Unfollow him on Twitter. Root for the Cubs. Talk to you guys next week. Thank you. A Huda Media Production.